Hi, this is Greg Overmeyer, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Well, hello. Welcome to The Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, your dutiful host and executive director of Relay. We made it. Episode five, folks. Now, make sure you go back and listen to episode one if you haven't already. I break down what we're all about here at Relay and the Slap and Slapcast. This week, we're veering from the theme that we've been on. We've been on this theme of leadership is love. And we're going to talk a little bit about leading through change. And I'll explain later how my guest is connected to that idea. If you want to connect with us in between these podcasts, you can do so on all the socials. We're founded at Relay Leadership. Please, please, please subscribe and share this podcast. We're making servant leadership a movement, and this is one of the ways you can help us out. And if you ever want to reach out to us directly, you can do that at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Now, I am super excited about today's episode because we have the CEO of Overmeyer Hall Associates. His name is Greg Overmeyer. For those of you outside of Columbus, Greg is a community leader here in town who runs a very successful insurance business and is deeply involved in civic work. He has a servant's heart, and I think you're going to really enjoy listening to his leadership journey and what he has to say today. Let's rock! Well, welcome, 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 everyone, and welcome, Greg. I'm really happy that you're on today's show. Now, just a little backdrop for everyone here and for you, Greg. Um, We've been on a theme lately called Leadership is Love, but today we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about leading through change. And the reason why I wanted you on the show in particular is because you're chairing our next event here in town. It's called Leadership Forum, and the theme is is leading through change. Now, before we get into that, I want to downshift for just a moment. So Greg here is the founder and CEO of Overmeyer Hall Associates. This is an insurance agency here in town. And Greg, you are just as involved in the community as you are a successful business person. You've served on the boards of organizations like the Chamber of uh, the Columbus Chamber, um, United Way of Central Ohio, the Columbus Symphony, Columbus 2020, and, and others. I met you actually as a result of this event, Leadership Forum, but it was back in 2015. I can't believe it was actually four years ago. And you were actually one of the speakers. And what I remember most is we conducted a survey of the talks that day. There were seven speakers. I'm not sure if you remember, but I don't even know, quite honestly, how we got through that many speakers. Um, (laughs) Your talk came up as the favorite. Now, we didn't ask people rank your favorite speakers, but we did ask a question. um, What did you enjoy most about Leadership Forum 2015? And the most frequent comment was your talk that you gave that day. Do you remember what you talked about that day? And can you share that with the audience real briefly? Oh, uh, yeah, that's wonderful to hear. I um, remember speaking, I was kind of going, it talked about going through a journey that I had been through uh, with my business career and some of the things that have been going on. But uh, I think the thing that seemed to resonate the most with people is we really talked about the balance of life and, and your time being like a balloon. And we really break that balloon down into kind of five sections of friends, family, faith, health, and job. And hey, sometimes family needs a little bit more. So you got to squeeze that balloon. So where are you going to squeeze it? I mean, I'm not going to work out as much or I'm going to 
you know, I need to take away time from my friends so I can get more air into the section of the balloon that has um, uh, that, that has the uh, other parts that, that needs the air. And uh, I think that's what people remembered the most, but uh, also just the story of started, you know, how I needed to start a company and how all that came about. Yeah, I love that. And I think what it helped bring home for everybody, you had a balloon with you, by the way, just so yes. people can understand you had, was it one of those long skinny ones? It was. Okay. It was. People thought I was going to make an animal and that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> That would have been awesome. That you got to work on that. That way, next time you give that talk, that's the grand crescendo. <laughs> well, okay. So what I loved about that was that we always hear, and we still hear about this thing. Oh, you have to have work-life balance, and da da da. And what you pointed out, both visually with the balloon and, and in your talk, was work-life balance. I think is a unicorn. Like I don't think this exists. I think it's more about ebb and flow. In Tanya Irion, who was with us that day as well, she spoke about this once on a webinar and she talked about it like this. She said, sometimes you're a better wife than you are a friend. Sometimes you're a better friend than you are a coworker. Sometimes you're a better coworker than you are a mom. It just, your life has different demands and you, and she talked about it as more of like an ebb and flow. And what I like about that is it sets us free to the reality of life, which is that it's not linear right? We can't execute on all of our duties, you know, all the time and evenly. So this idea of balance brings this unrealistic expectation. And so, so many people feel like they're failing at that. I think that's so true. And you end up, you can have this vision of what your balance is going to look like and how much time you want to spend doing certain things and how much of your talents and treasures you want to spend doing certain things, but you can only keep that for a day or two and then things happen and something you got to put some energy somewhere else. And that's right. And such, it's just to make sure it's also nice to have a partner, um, you know, like Tanya does. And I do that, that, that says, Hey, uh, I think you could, you know, you need to give this kid a little bit more time or, or we need to spend a little more time together or gosh, you know, the job is really demanding right now and the company needs your attention. It's nice to have somebody helping you or, Gosh, you're giving too much time here. It's nice to have uh, a partner that will let you know when you're kind of getting outside of that, those, those guardrails. Exactly. And I hate to admit it, that example you gave of it lasts for two days. You just described every diet I've ever tried, basically. <laughs> like, I'm good for two days. And then I'm like, wait, I just ate salads for two days. Where's the 10 pounds that should have been gone? So, but right. on a serious note, you're right. We set ourselves up for failure when really maybe what we need to do is adjust our expectations um, of what's actually possible in life. Um, so now this year, let's, we'll bring it back to the present moment. You're chairing, as I said before, this event coming up. Leadership Forum. And our theme this year is leading through change. I thought it might be interesting for folks to hear from you on this subject, both as a business leader and a community leader here in Columbus. So to that end, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is what was the hardest change that you had to lead through? I'm talking about professionally right now. And if you can help us understand why it was difficult and maybe one or two things you learned from that that still sit with you today. Probably the hardest thing that I had to lead through change is um, uh, when I when I had to start the company when I decided to do that and the reason that it was so hard 
was really uh, looking at your own self-confidence. You've got people that are saying, hey, yes, you can do this and you should. And this, yet your own confidence inside you says, gosh, I'm not sure I've got the, the capability to, to do that. And so, you know, all change, nothing happens unless you're going to challenge yourself. No changes happen unless you live in what we call the, what, what, what we call at our, our company, the challenge zone. If you think of three concentric circles, you've got your comfort zone. And then outside of that, you've got your challenge zone and you've got your panic zone. And so, you know, everybody thinks they want to live in their comfort zone. Well, <clears throat> living in your challenge zone is where things happen and things change. And, and, and that moves your challenge and your comfort zones change and your panic zone change. When you're 16 years old and you start the car and you got to drive on the highway, you're, you're challenged borderline panic. <laughs> Today, you don't think twice about it. It's in your comfort zone because you, you know how to do that. So we're always uh, so you, you need to live in that challenge zone, and that's what I was living in and trying to trying to start this company and, and lead it um, eight years ago. Did you feel any panic, though, during that challenging time? I felt panic before it started, um, and then once we were up and rolling and actually started to get some business in, then it was challenge of how, how can we do this and how can we really – focus on our core values that um, th that will make this company uh, be excellent. Okay, that makes sense. Now, I really love this imagery of comfort, challenge, and panic. That's super helpful. Thinking about that panic zone, what are some things that help keep you out of that zone? Because, you know, as visionaries, as leaders, we're taught to take risks, to innovate, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But how do we make sure that we stay in that challenge zone so that we're innovating and creating, but we don't take uncalculated or, or badly calculated risks that would put us in that panic zone or put us there too long? Well, yeah, uh, it's a great question. And to me, leaders are believers and leaders are connectors. And by that, I mean that leaders believe in what they're trying to build and who they're trying to build. And if they believe in that, then they connect the people to either the resources or the other people that they uh, that that will get others um, to the to to buy into the vision and and believe in what the leaders believe. Then then you get get success. So when you're when I'm in my panic zone. I'm like, all right, do I really believe in this or am I being myopic? And, and I study and, and that's what tends to calm me down is like, no, I, I do see this. I do see this being able to happen or the opposite. And then I scramble like crazy to get myself out of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is if you're in that panic zone, in essence, check your values. Like, wait a second, is this aligned with our goals? Is this aligned with who we are? And that kind of helps calm you down. That's spot on. You said yeah. that very, very well. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your community involvement because you are very uh, involved in leadership roles in a civic way here in community. And while I believe that leading a nonprofit, working in the nonprofit community and leading a business have a ton of similarities, I actually feel that the nonprofit community could really benefit from a lot of business best practices. However, there are unique challenges in the nonprofit world, and you've served on many of these boards. You serve on many boards right now. 
what are the, some of the, you know, and you don't have to be super specific about a specific organization, but what are some of the strategic challenges around change that nonprofits face and, and how were you potentially helpful with maybe one of those organizations and help maybe taking something across the finish line um, and creating some change in a difficult situation? When I think of uh, the organizations that the, the nonprofits, they are constantly having to change themselves. And you look at what United Way was doing 20 years ago and where they are today and the value that they're providing. That takes great leadership, uh, which is I've been off of that for quite a while. I take no credit for that. But the things that they're trying to do there um, uh, around what do donors really want and expect for their money um, it, it, it is constantly changing. I look at uh, a company like uh, National Church Residences that is really working hard to figure out while they own all this property, lots of seniors are now wanting to, uh, to, to stay in their houses for as long as they possibly can. And so how do we figure out how to do that? And, uh, and the problem that the, the nonprofits have is just their limited resources and how to best use the resources that they, they have. Right now we're going through with uh, Columbus 2020, we're about, we've achieved about all of our goals for by the year 2020, and now we're having to reevaluate and go, okay, that was wonderful and it was great for Columbus, Ohio. Um, I think that 2020 absolutely helped put Columbus on the map uh, for economic development in the United States. But what are we going to do going forward? Uh, 2020, does that name work forever? Do, do, do we, what are going to be the goals going forward? We, um, how, how do we change the, the, uh, the whole chemistry of what 2020 is going to be in the future? Yeah, it's so important. I mean, when you think about nonprofit work, that issue of resources comes up over and over again. And the other issue, which is reflected in your comments about Columbus 2020, is this idea of innovation that, you know, just as soon as something works, it's like it doesn't work anymore. And, right. and what I mean by that is it doesn't mean something's broken, but it used to be, I believe, that change would occur and then we'd have some time to sit in that change, right? We would reach homeostasis and then we would have to eventually innovate and change again. And now I feel like, especially in the nonprofit community, it's constant change. And with limited resources to keep up with that change, you know, some of us don't have an organization big enough to have a separate marketing person and development person and accounting person. And, and so you've got executive directors and even board members playing staff roles. Um, the challenges are, are immense. So I, I applaud you on you know, your willingness to deploy your talents and your uh, time into those nonprofits, because one of the things that I've said for the years that I've been involved in nonprofit leadership is that I have board members that can certainly write checks and come to board meetings and, and offer their input four times a year at our quarterly meetings. But the board members who move the needle for the organization are the ones that are involved in problem solving. They create this sustainable solution that then elevates the entire organization. And it sounds like that's where you, that's where you like to sit with these organizations as well. Yeah, and if I could just say that the, the boards that I'm seeing of the, the, the better run 
uh, nonprofits are really, they're getting very strategic about who they want on their board and the skill sets that they have. We know we need this or certain skills and we know we need an HR person that can help us that we can, I'm going to say, use and abuse <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as to help them move forward. And, and we don't need 13 um, insurance guys on there or, you know, 10 uh, accountants. We need a variety of skill sets that we can have. And I'll exactly. say that I have been on uh, a board that I did not have a passion about. And um, I would always encourage anybody that's thinking of getting on boards, one, look at, do they need your skill set? Two, do you have a passion about it? Is it something that you really love to do? And then uh, thirdly, is it something that you can commit to? At, find out, the last thing you want to do is say, oh, it's a four meetings of a year, but then also there are subcommittees and yada, da, 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 and you're spending all your, a lot more than you expected to do. And, uh, and then the, the last one would be, can you really contribute to what they're trying to do? Now that said, I've been on a lot of different boards. I am definitely a better, um, employer. Um, and, uh, because you see lots of different ways that boards are run. And some of these people, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe their company isn't even bigger than it is. Or some of them, you're like, I don't know how your company got that big because (laughs) you can't run this meeting at all. But it's fascinating and it really has made me a much better leader. So I would encourage people to look for that because you will be a better leader if you get involved in uh, the nonprofit area. That's fantastic. Now, I want to, you know, at Relay, we're all about servant leadership. Our big picture goal is we want to make servant leadership a movement here in Columbus. And so I want to talk a little bit about servant leadership, but something really specific. So there are technically 18 servant leadership attributes, and one of those attributes is called pioneering. It's the attribute most represented by our theme for the leadership forum this year, which is leading through change. Now, I do want to take a moment before we talk about this to read to the audience what Russell and Stone say about this attribute. I don't want to get into the academics, but Russell and Stone are considered academic thought leaders on servant leadership. And they put this together in 2002 on the 18 attributes of servant leadership. And I'm going to read to you what they wrote about pioneering. They say, pioneering means to open up or prepare or to initiate or participate in the development of. Leaders need to be pioneers who take risks create new paths, shape new approaches to old problems, and have strong values and beliefs that drive their actions. Leaders must be initiators. Leadership is all about innovating and initiating. Leaders have a unique causal role in organizational and social change. Servant leaders must be pioneers. They must be extraordinary agents for change. Now, I'll make a couple comments, and then I have a question for you. I think what's awesome about this definition or expounding on pioneering is number one, I noticed that they're not saying that leaders are doing all of the work. It's talking about how they're creating new approaches. They're starting things, initiating things. They are using their influence and their unique position and their unique uh, skills to start a thing to prepare a thing. It's like visionaries are great starters, but we need other people to implement, right? So that really stood out to me as well. And I love the powerful language that they are extraordinary agents of change. So with that thought in mind, 
what do you, th- and you can relate this to any area of your life, um, business or your, your nonprofit involvement. What do you think gets in the way of pioneering or leading like this through change? I mean, I know that information on pioneering was a, a mouthful, but what gets in our way of, of leading this way as leaders? You know, as I sat here and listened to that, I, it made me think of a time I was fortunate to to sit and uh, spend a little time with with Les Wexner at a. Um, it was about ten of us, and we just met in the boardroom. And I considered him to be quite a pioneer. And the thing that really impressed me, he gave us. He was all excited to give us a tour of his office, which was a mess. Um, and he, <laughs> you're like, you should not be proud of this. <laughs> and he had a yeah. He had a pile of books, and I was like, uh, how, "How much? How much reading do you do?" He said, "My goal is to read ten books a year," and uh, and it became very apparent that uh, his vision—he spends a lot of time sitting around and thinking about vision and and how he can be pioneering and. And we are in such a rat race of I got to get here and I got to do there and we don't slow down. You know, people say, yeah, you got to slow down to speed up. And you can tell that that guy who I think is a wonderful visionary and pioneer, he spends a lot of time thinking through everything. And when your competition doesn't do that or um, when you're, the board of a nonprofit isn't spending time doing that, it's going to have trouble innovating and and initiating those those things. So, to me, it's you really got to put some time into being a pioneer. Uh, you know, Lewis and Clark didn't just jump on a boat and right. and, and try to get all the way to uh, the Pacific Ocean. You know, they had to think through a lot of different things and and who the team was going to be and what they were going to take and. That's what I, I, when I hear pioneering, I think of kind of three things that you need and, and the vision uh, to see what initiatives need to be done, the confidence slash courage to actually go out and do that. And then you just have to have a passion about it. I mean, it's got to be something that really comes from your heart that you want to do. I like that. A vision to see, courage, and passion. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. One of the things we have a program, um, one of our learning programs is for young professionals and many of them are in their first leadership experience. So they're not, none of them are senior leaders, but maybe they're a first time manager. And one of the hardest things for them, and let me interject this, they're not the visionary in this scenario. However, even with this definition of pioneering, what many of them struggle with, and part of the reason why we work with them is because they have not yet made that shift from doer to leader because they've been taught that you know, um, or they've inferred that, well, all great leaders roll up their sleeves and get in and do the dirty work. Well, first of all, they view the work that gets done by everybody as dirty work, which is kind of a horrible way to view the work that we do. Um, but then they, they're afraid of how they're going to be perceived if they actually have vision and have plans and try to innovate and not, and they're not actually doing anymore. So in essence, they struggle moving from an individual contributor mindset to a leadership mindset. And um, that's what I find is one of the biggest barriers. Not, it's not a barrier. It's a hurdle for the younger leaders in our community is really getting them to think 
like a leader and to groom them for this next wave of visionaries that we're going to need in the city. So um, we're all working on this, of course, but um, that is one of the biggest challenges that they face. Now, one of the things in this definition is it says leaders need to be pioneers who take risks. I want to focus on that word for a minute. Is there a time that you took a risk that didn't turn out the way you wanted? Um, and if you don't mind sharing that with us and then were you still able to turn that around and leverage it somehow? Um, I'd like to kind of take this one personally and discuss a time when with my family that we had a daughter who has you know, been more than open to, to letting me share the story, but she uh, was had an eating disorder, had uh, anorexia. And my wife and I thought we could get her through that. And we we were told, hey, I'm not sure you can do that. And we took a risk that, yeah, let's let's try to get through this. And after about three or four months, it became very apparent that we couldn't do that. And we needed to uh, have some special help and send her someplace. And she battled that for uh, a, a couple of years. And I mean, they always battle it. Um, but that said, uh, looking back and going through that experience, you know, now my wife gets calls um, several times a month from people, who, mothers that are going through similar situations with their daughters. And to be able to share that and know, hey, we made a mistake. Don't make this mistake that, that we made. Um, get the help. And here's where you get the help. And here's where you go. And, you know, there's nothing people want more than uh, than helping your child out. And uh, it's neat that we're able to now help people out with that. That is awesome. And I think it's great that you shared that. Um, when we talk about leadership, we lead ourselves, we lead our families, no matter who we are. Um, and one of those leadership attributes is vulnerability. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, maybe that'll speak to somebody that's listening to this. Cause that's a, that's a serious thing, a really serious thing. And I totally understand as a parent feeling like we got this right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're we're going to take care of this because, you know, I mean, my kids, I think, I think aren't your kids all adults now or young adults. Yeah. yeah uh -huh. So the biggest transition I think in parenting for us, um, well, it's hard to give a biggest one, but they were all hard. Um, <laughs> but one of the most challenging and yet rewarding was that, that phase from high school into college and they're like in their early adulthood and moving from, you know, I mean, I'm always their parent, but I'm more of an advisor now and a friend and realizing, and it starts when they're in high school, you get this revelation. Oh my gosh, I actually don't have control over these people. Right. <laughs> they're, right. they're separate individuals who have volition, make choices uh, in this case, there's this disorder going on and, and you feel completely helpless. And when they're kids, you feel like you have almost complete control over their safety, over their preferences, the food that they get fed, you know, and as they get older, progressively, you lose more and more of that control. And, um, I think that as we lead ourselves, not just at work and, and in the community, but as we lead ourselves through personal problems, you know, with our families, sometimes that step of saying, I don't know, I have to surrender to this situation and ask for help. That's the scariest thing and the best thing at the same time. So I really appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's amazing. Um, so with the time that we have left, um, 
I haven't gone into all the details of servant leadership with you, but big picture thinking about servant leadership, I always like to ask all of our guests this same question. And that is this, what do you think the biggest challenges for you living out servant leadership in your life and in your work? I would say the biggest challenge that I have is um, you have a vision for people. Um, I, I, I believe that over my hall associates, our company uh, is here to employ uh, people, and we're we've got you know a lot of dual incomes, uh, a lot of uh, single parents, and, and and such, and this company is able to give people a, a good, well-rounded lifestyle. And, um, but the, the biggest, the hardest part for me is when I have, um, somebody that doesn't really want to live in their challenge zone and, um, therefore they're, they're not trying to be all that they can be. And much as I want to serve them and try to get them to that level. It's like, I want it more than they do. And that is probably my biggest frustration Mm. is when we have people that aren't willing to, to do that. And no matter what you're trying to do to help them get there, if they don't want it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You can't want it for someone else. Right. Right. And, and I think someone said something to me once about leadership that helped me a lot. It wasn't about this particular topic, but I think it applies. And that was, I was frustrated about something, um, not related to employee, um, you know, their efforts or anything, but it was a frustration at work. And this person looked at me and he said, Shannon, as the leader, as the visionary, where you want things to be, will and should always outpace the people around you. Mm-hmm. As soon as everybody's operating, this isn't about like competent. This isn't about you being better than everyone, but as a visionary, your drive and push, and in this example, challenge is probably going to always outpace everyone. And that frustration, the difference between what you want and what is that in between zone is actually part of what makes you, you, it's what you signed up for in leadership. And I don't know why it didn't take away the frustration of the, of, you know, people not being where I want them to be, but it helped me almost accept, come to a place of acceptance that, oh, this is just the way it is. Um, doesn't mean you still don't challenge people. Doesn't mean you still don't push for that, that next big goal, but just understanding that the difference between where you are, your desires, your resources, where you want things to be and where they are today, um, there's always going to be a difference, right? Because as soon as, in this example, as soon as people rise up to that challenge, you've already pushed the challenge out another five years. Right. Um, and so that, that difference is always there. That really helped me. Um, I wish it would have gotten rid of the frustration, but it didn't. So, (laughs) well, you know, know, Shannon, I, I did have, uh, I was in a situation, so I was working for a company and that company got bought and the values of that company, uh, were different. Um, from a, nothing unethical or anything like that, but it really went to a, hey, we are all about the shareholders and kicking as much money to the shareholders and then our clients and then our employees. And I truly believe that that should be the exact opposite. And when I was in that situation, trying to be a servant leader when you think the employees are what really needs to be taken care of, 
and you're not given the resources or you're not encouraged to do that, um, that was really difficult for me. So much so that they uh, fired me, which is why I had to start a company. Um, Wait, Greg, you got to change your you got to change your language. You became an alumni. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what Jane Grody Abel calls it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would encourage people if you you want to serve a certain whatever is most important to you and you can't do that, I was not smart enough to get out of that situation. God kind of yeah. took care of that for me. Um, I would encourage somebody, if you're, if you're in a spot where you can't do the things that you want to do, then find something else. Otherwise, you're going to come home, kick the dog, yell at your wife, drink too much, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, <laughs> I would really encourage people to, to get out of that situation and find what you really do love to do. Because serving should be something that you absolutely just love yeah. to do. It shouldn't be something that, oh my gosh, I got to go do that today. Exactly. And I, I I can just echo and say I was in a position once that lasted for five years and I was in that position four years too long for, <laughs> for the exact reason. And, and I didn't have, that's why I love your three, vision, courage, passion. I, I had vision for the role that I was in. I was passionate about it, but I didn't, but there was a, it was a toxic leadership environment there and I didn't have the courage to change. I did not. Mm. And so um, eventually I did, but the pain that had to enter my life to make that change was completely unnecessary. Um, but live and learn. I, I won't ever tolerate that again and really pinch myself that I get to do this every day. So um, hmm, I'm really, really I'm grateful for that. Well, Greg, I have just thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. Thank you so much for being with us on the Slapcast. That's about all the time we have. Now, listen, everyone, we want to talk about leading through change even more, and we want you to join us for the conversation. Um, mark your calendars for May 16th. That's the Leadership Forum right here in Columbus. We have four speakers. You've already met one of them on the last episode, episode four with Chris McAllister. You don't want to miss this year's lineup. You can learn more about that event and get your tickets at relayleadership.com slash LF as in Frank 2019. Greg, thank you so much for joining us on the Slapcast. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Shannon. 